Ladies and gentlemen, my co-pastor, Dan Fisher, has actually used videos about our special guest over the course of the last five or six weeks, making some of the points uh, in his messages. And one of the videos was, of course, that very famous video on Pesach Sunday where the police were coming in trying to shut down Pastor Pawlowski's church services. And, of course, he boldly engaged them and chased them out of his church as any good shepherd should that's trying to do damage to his flock. And, of course, you saw... Yeah, go ahead. Give him a round of applause. Go ahead. That's all right. Archer, come on up. They're going to give you a standing ovation. It's a perfect opportunity. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Father God, I give you all the glory, Father, for everything. The Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and have your way with our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, do as you please. Amen. Amen. Well, as I was listening to you, I thought to myself, well, you said it all. (laughs) You finished it perfectly. You finished the race today. Well, as I was praying, you know, what should I share with you? I decided to come with a little bit of a history lesson from our dear and very well-known friend Vladimir Lenin straight from Russia because I believe that we have entered an era where once again they're trying to do exactly the same thing they've tried it before they did not succeed it and they are trying this again in the Bible it says that known are to us the devices of the enemy in other words what happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow unless we're willing to stand up, recognize what's going on, and say those three simple words. Like I shared with your pastor today, you know, people will come to me and they will say, oh, you're, you've done this and you did this and you're a hero. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what have I done actually, really, if you think about it? I did what every shepherd is supposed to be doing. I just did what God wanted me to do, to chase off the hyenas away. That's it. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem that we are surrounded by cowards, sold outs, traitors, judices. And when someone is actually doing his job, his duty as a pastor, you know, people are saying, wow. My question is very simple. Where are the pastors? Where are the rabbis? Where are the priests? Where are the clergymen? What happened to them? Because I remember I have participated in pastors' meetings, conferences. I preached at conferences. I've attended many, many meetings and I've heard many sermons. And I'm telling you, some of those sermons were incredible. The best PowerPoint presentations. Silver tongues. Wow! And then 
the COVID came. I remember when I heard the pastors and Christians as well, oh, we are willing to die for Jesus. We are willing to die for Jesus. We are actually looking forward to die for Jesus. And then the police showed up and threatened them with a ticket. And they were nowhere to be found. A true story. I was asked by one of the pastors of the mega churches here in my city, Calgary. And he asked me to help because I have a reputation of being a lawbreaker and a troublemaker for the devil. And he says, will you help us? Because our volunteers are being harassed and intimidated by the authorities. And you've won so many cases, so many fights. Would you come and help us? I said, yes. On one condition and one condition only. That if I go, I'll bring my people, I'll bring my soldiers. And I'll come myself and I will face the police. I'll face anything, including arrest. But you have to be next to me. You have to stand next to me. And whatever happens, we're going together. I promise you, I will go with you. If they arrest us, fine. We will be praising Jesus in jail. And he agreed. So we went. I set up the whole thing that they were not allowed to do, which was a terrible crime of distributing Bibles and gospel tracts in a public. So I set everything up in front of the police station. And I said, well, come on in. And we were worshiping God, and someone brought the guitar. It was a good time. And, of course, the police showed up, and they called their friends. And the bylaws showed up, and peace officers and police. And I was told, right away, I'll get tickets. I said, fine, not the first time, and not the last time. So they gave me five. And I looked at the pastor, and I saw his legs started to really shake. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. You know, fear is a natural thing. We have to overcome fear. We have to conquer fear. When I had my vision, I saw Jesus Christ in Gethsemane and I saw him being fearful. He was afraid. Even he says, if this is, if this cup can pass, if it's other way, if there is an other way, I'll prefer the other way. He didn't want to be separated. He didn't want it to be separated from his father. He didn't want it to become a sin. He was a holy God. He was terrified. So fear is not a bad thing, but you have to learn how to conquer that fear. Why? Because in the Bible, it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Right? A sound mind, love. He says to Joshua three times before he allows him to go and conquer his promised land. Let me suggest something to you. This land, Oklahoma, it's your promised land. This is your inheritance. And now enemy is knocking at your door and is stealing it away from you. And the same words that God gave to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I've told you to be courageous. Haven't I told you to be strong and very courageous? The same words he has for you and for me. Police gave me five tickets. I still kept doing what I was there to do. Preach the gospel, sing praises to my God, to distribute Bibles and printed material, the pamphlets. And then the police announced, okay, if you don't stop doing this, you will be arrested. And I said, not the first time, not the last time. And then I turned and I looked for my buddy, my pastor friend, but he was nowhere to be found. 
I did not even see him running away. He was so fast. I'm not kidding. Just this brief conversation between me and police, I did not notice this guy run away so fast. It was unbelievable. So the police turned to me and says, well, what is going to be? I said, well, I came to help him, but he's nowhere to be found. So I guess the day is over. So we went home. The five tickets were thrown out by the Crown Prosecutor. A few days later, this wannabe hero called me. And this is what he said. He says, you know, I didn't want to be arrested because, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a pastor, but I also have a, a license. I'm a doctor, so I didn't want to jeopardize my career. And you know, Art, I have three children. And I said to him, and I have what? Three dogs at home? I have three children as well. But you see, if you love your children more than him... If you love your mother or your father more than him, if your daughter is more precious than Jesus, you're not worthy of him. If your business is stronger in your heart than the kingdom of God, the business of God, you're not worthy of him. And that's the problem I see in the Western civilization. We have become apathetic, uninterested, selfish, self-centered, lukewarm, comfortable. You see, people come to church and they say to me, well, I have been attending church for 30, 40 years. I'm a Christian. Well, (laughs) just attending a place will never make you a Christian. The same way, even if you were born in McDonald's, it will never turn you into a Big Mac. (laughs) I don't care if you were born over there. You will never become French fries. They're just reality. For the young people, if that's a shock to you, sorry. But I'm here to preach the truth. A friend of mine one day comes to me and says, I'm leaving my church. I said, why? Just a week ago you said you had a a wonderful pastor, the best in the world. Yeah, he was kind of cool, but he talks too much. I said, what do you mean? And I'm thinking to myself, usually I give about an hour and a half sermons. So I thought, maybe he's even longer than me. And and I said, so how long? He says, can you believe it? 20 minutes. And I said, you're dead. (laughs) You're just dead. You see, that's what the problem. We want to have everything fast. Fast food, fast food Christianity. Everything shallow. Shallow. No real commitments. No commitments with friends. No commitments to husbands, to wives. No commitments to friendship. No commitments to the church, to the pastor. Every time a pastor stands up and says something you don't like, off you go to another church. When they can tickle your ears. And this has been going on for so long that the enemy just crept in and took over everything. It took your children. It took your media. It took your political arena. It took everything. And you've lost your country. People are asking me a simple question. Why am I here? And one reporter said during an interview that Arparovsky came here to fight for his country. No, sir, you're mistaken. I came to fight for America. I came here to fight for you. I'm fighting for my country too. I'm fighting for every human being that there is on the face of earth. Because you see, my Jesus didn't die for America. My Jesus didn't die just for Canada. My Jesus died for souls, for every soul. 
And we are as a church commanded to fight for souls. Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave for souls. Not for buildings. Not for names. Not for denominations. But for souls. And we have forgotten what the whole thing is all about. We turn God's business. God's kingdom into a business. The church is run by board of directors. Elders. They dictate how and what pastor can preach. Are you insane? I say to my congregants, don't you ever think I work for you. I don't work for you. I have a boss. You're not my boss. You see, people think that just because they give money, they own you. Just because they give a tithe, they own you. Listen to me. You don't give to a pastor. You give to God. He will reward you. He will repay you. In my Bible, it says that when you cast the bread upon the waters after many days, it will come back to you. The harvest will come, but will come to you if you give with the sincerity of your heart. Don't give it to the pastor so you can control him. Give it to God and let it go. Let it go. So I am a very privileged man because I have taught my church, the people that God has entrusted me to, be warriors, to be soldiers, to be real. When the Gestapo came to our church and I knew I'm going to be arrested, they showed up, they opened the anti-terrorist scheme, they opened the door and someone yelled from the back, the Gestapo is here. So I thought, okay, they're coming to arrest me from the pulpit, so be it. What a perfect way to go down preaching the gospel. But they opened the door and it was packed. Our church tripled since this craziness. It was packed and they opened the door and they dropped something on the ground and they left. But I watched the man. I watched the man. You know what the man did? When the Gestapo was about to come, they took everything from their pockets. Their keys, their cell phones, and they gave it to their wives. And they said, we are ready. If you go, we go. If they take you, they have to take us all. Imagine if all the churches, all the pastors, all the Christians would unite finally under one banner, one blood, one name that saves us all. This whole craziness would be over a long time ago. Long time ago. What happened to us? Why is it so hard for me? I've been arrested dozens of times, over 100 court cases, 300 citations, and the 30 COVID tickets. I'm breaking some kind of a record. <laughs> I had a meeting with the chief of police, and he says, what are we going to do with you? And I said, no, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> you see, who those uncircumcised Philistines they think they are? That they should defy the armies of the living God. Who they think they are. The governors. I've heard you have a good one. So I'm not picking on that one. (laughs) But let me pick on the black house. I call you white house black house. Because it's filled with aliens and illegals. Those devils. Those fauches. Lying. Thieving. Raising their filthy hands against the living God. And saying to him, and now what are you going to do about it? I'm telling you, therefore a surprise. Because in my Bible it says, every man will face the righteous judge. A judge that does not take bribes. A judge that is not an activist. 
one day, you and me, Biden and whoever those devils are, they're going to face the living God and they're going to be accountable for every word, every deed. And I'm telling you, they will be guilty of crimes against humanity right now. They are bloody murderers. What they're doing to us, they're murdering millions of people around the world. In my country, it's not the COVID so-called virus that is killing people. We have the biggest amount of suicides among children ever recorded in the history of my country. And they are guilty. They are guilty. The mainstream propaganda liars, the political devils that all should be charged for treason, Every single one of them that partook in this should be charged for treason. I was privileged for a few days to teach you American history. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine a Polish guy living in Canada with broken English teaching Americans Independence Day? 1776. You know why? I think... I don't know if God is sitting over there and is chuckling a little bit. But I think he sent me here and others like me to remind you that if I, a Polish immigrant, if I am willing to fight for your soul, how much more you should be willing to fight for your country. I think sometimes God will do those things. You know, I ask him, God... I used to hang around with the rich people. I was a very successful businessman. And he sends me to the prostitutes and drug addicts, homeless. And I said to him, like, what have I to do with those people? We have nothing in common. Send me to the politicians. Send me to the millionaires. I understand their language. But you see, he chooses Peter, smelling like a fish. And he sends him to the aristocrats, to the elites. And he uses Paul, that was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he sends him to the Gentiles. God loves that thing because now in the end of the day, I can only stand up in front of men and God and say, I didn't do it. It's him. To him, the glory. To him, the glory. I was arrested many times. The charges were all kinds of crazy charges. Giving free goods and services. So if I gave you a sandwich, if I gave a sandwich to a dying man on the streets, I committed a crime. I was arrested. If I prayed for you in public, giving free services as a pastor, that was against the law. It's still against the law. Operating a barbecue, congregating, organizing a church service. You name it. I had hundreds of those citations. I remortgaged my house seven times. You see... You have to understand that when you signed up in that army, in the army of the living God, it's either everything or nothing, either life or death, hell or heaven. You cannot sit on the fence. About a year ago, a year and a half ago, when this craziness started, I had a vision. I don't have visions very often, but when I do have them, I know they're from God. And I saw a fence. And you see, I saw a fence without end. I could not see the end. And I knew the fence represents the earth. And the people were sitting on that fence. There was lots of people sitting on the fence. And then I saw two hands, big, powerful hands. I knew those are the hands of God. And he grabbed that fence and he violently shook. And he was shaking. And I saw people falling to the left and to the right. And then I saw an empty fence and he spoke to me. He says, when I'm done, everyone will have to make a choice. Either God 
or the devil. What we're seeing right now, as hard as it is, and I'm telling you, I would be a liar if I would stood in front of you and say, I enjoyed the prison, I enjoyed the beatings, and stripped naked, and shackles on the knees like, like a terrorist. No, I did not. My body was in pain. They did not allow me to sleep for three days, two nights. Every half hour, police would come and bang on the door just to make sure I am not sleeping on concrete. Do it one day, just for five hours, lay down on the concrete, and you will know what I'm talking about. The first two hours is not a big deal, but about ten hours, every part of your body is in pain. Every part of your body. I do not enjoy hardship, of course. I would prefer to get medals and honors and to be wealthy and flying jets. I'm very grateful for the plane that we came today. They were saying, you know, um, it's a little Cessna. It's not that big one, fancy one. I'm grateful that I'm not walking. (laughs) I'm grateful to God for everything he gives me. We got to be grateful for what he's giving us. And hardship is part of the test. You see, we think that being a Christian... It's a rose without the hardship, without the thorns. But the truth is, if he had to pick up that cross, if God himself had to do it, you think you will not have to do it? If cost the father, his son, if it cost the son his own life, his own blood, do you really think it's not going to cost you anything? We come to God and we ask him, give me, give me, give me, give me. When was the last time you came to God and you said something different? Except, I need this, Lord. Can you fix me here? Can you heal me there? Can you help me with job? Can you help me with finances? Oh, I have problems with my kids. I got problems with my cousin, with my neighbor, with my dog, with my... You can add to the list. People even have problems with hamsters. And they bring that before the throne of grace I'll tell you what God did with my problem when I had a hamster actually it was my brother's hamster it was driving me nuts I think he was demon possessed he did not allow us to sleep he was just going like a nutcase around the circle all the time he says like can't you just stop it And we had a huge problem with that beast, that little tiny demon. But God spoke to me. You see, he uses everything. And he says, look at him. Just watch him. So I did. As annoying as it was, as ugly little creature that it was, I watched him going in a circle on and on and on. And he says, that's you. That's Christianity of today. This hamster thinks that is doing mileages, is going places. It puts a lot of effort into going around. And that little creature thinks, I have achieved a lot today, all night. But the only thing he achieved is driving you nuts. He didn't go anywhere. He did not move an inch. That's Christians of today. They're going around. They think they're accomplishing a lot, but they're losing everything. So one day, I introduced that hamster to our hunting dog. 
That was not my intention. But I said it's time for them to meet each other. But God is a merciful God. He was not very merciful to the hamster. But he was very merciful to me and to my brother. Because the dog just looked at this creature, recognized the demon. It was like, come! It was over for the demon. That's how God saved us from that creature. But the lesson of that crazy hamster, I have never forgotten. Don't be a hamster in a wheel. Don't just do mileage for the sake of running around. So I want to challenge you. When you come to God, he spoke to me once. He says, you want to touch my heart? Do you want to touch the heart of the Father? Do you really want to touch his heart? Do you want to melt the heart of God? Come to him and say to him, not give me, give me, give me. Not I need this and this and this. Come to him and say, God, here I am. What can I do for you? How can I touch your heart? What I can do to forward your kingdom? How I can be of assistance to you? How can I bring more souls to your kingdom? How can I feed the poor in your name to give you glory? I ask congregants quite often, so you are followers of Christ? Let me see. Are you followers of Christ? I want to see your hands. So everyone is a follower of Christ. So when was the last time you actually followed what Jesus did? When was the last time you fed the poor? When was the last time you laid hands on the sick? When was the last time you cast out the devils out of people? When was the last time you prayed for anyone? When was the last time you hang around with the poor, with those that no one else wants to even spit at? Just hang around with them. Not asking for anything, not even giving anything except you. You know, I work with the homeless for 22 years. I actually prefer the homeless than the congregants. No offense. And I definitely don't like pastors. No offense. I prefer to hang around with the prostitutes than with pastors. Because you know what? They are real. They know they have lots of issues. They're not hiding them. But Christians, my God, they will give you 10,000 different stories except the one that is true. That's why I really liked your president, Donald Trump. I'm telling you, he... He's still the president. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. People say, how can you vote for that kind of a man? He's not perfect. Listen, you're not marrying the guy. If you're looking for perfection, you got to vote for Jesus Christ. He was the only one perfect. But Donald Trump had something. He still has something that I really, really admire in a man. Even in an enemy. He was truth to himself. He said what was in his heart. Oh, I long for such a man in a church. Someone that will say it without going in a circle like the hamster for two hours. You know, Canadians are are Canadians. (laughs) And they will apologize for apologizing, but they will stab you nevertheless. And they have this saying, you know... Um, I'm so sorry, but I have to tell you what I have to tell you. And they will not tell you what really they want to tell you until one hour later. And they will apologize like a hundred times. Just say it. And be done with it. 
We have to become real. Jesus was real. He was a man of the people. That's why they call him glutton and drunkard and friend of sinners. He was real. And he wants the same thing from us. Be real. Say what's in your heart. Do what's right. And it's always the right thing to do what's right. Master that courage. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience. But where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. We have entered a very dangerous era. As you can tell, I grew up behind the Iron Curtain. I can tell you stories after stories of big lineups. I can tell you stories of abuse of power, of police arresting people for only listening to another source of information. You could go to jail for five years just for listening European radio. But not just jail, you would be tortured for a year. Your wife would be tortured. The intimidation, the harassment, the level of abuse, it's beyond your imagination. Just for listening to another source of information. What, what is happening right now? Deplatforming, censorship. They don't want you to know what's going on. Because you see, lie is afraid of the truth. Yeah. Truth stands on its own like a pillar. Doesn't need any support but the lie. Lie needs to be supported by more lies. Manipulation, disinformation, terror, fear. That's what we are seeing right now. If you dare to say the truth, you'll become the enemy of the state. That's what happened to me. What happened in my country was a tragic thing. Police officers, they had this famous saying, and they say, give us a man, we will find something on that man. There were cooking stories. The judges were corrupted. You would say, after being arrested naked, preferably, they love to arrest people naked. Five in the morning, just like the FBI is doing right now. You know that? I've met people that were arrested five in the morning. And I'm just here for a few weeks. And I already met people that were treated by FBI like the enemies of the states. And they've done nothing. You see, those are your new Gestapo. They have a uniform. Just like Gestapo had. But they are no longer about law and order. They are the lawbreakers. They are the gangsters. Working for the biggest mafia that there is. The government. That's why I love your constitution. And I love the... What happened in 1776, the document that is so powerful, so profound, that says you can remove those wannabe tyrants when they are not working for you, when they are not no longer represent you. So let me remind you about a very interesting fellow. His name is Vladimir Lenin. And this is what he said. Let this be a warning to you. People say to me, is the enemy approaching? And I would say to you and to anyone that asks that question, have you been sleeping for the past 10, 20 years? The enemy is not approaching. The enemy is not at the gate. The enemy is within. The enemy is right here. Your neighbors have become your enemy. Here is what he said exactly 100 years ago. In 1921, This is what he said, how he brought the Bolshevik Revolution. Are you ready? You will be shocked. Here is how he did it. And he said it openly. He put it in a paper. And it goes like this. 
corrupt the young, get them away from religion. Why do you think they are calling social distancing not physical distancing? If the virus was real and the virus was spread the way they say it spreads, then we would require physical distancing, right? Why they are calling social distancing? You see, because you got to understand that they're repeating the, the history and what they need to accomplish is elimination of this. They don't want you to meet together. Why? Because when you meet together, there is an exchange of information. Also, you feel stronger. You feel you're not alone. You get courage from another. You see, courage is contagious. It's like a wildfire. It sparks other hearts. So they need to eliminate that. And they need to get the kids. They need to brainwash the kids. Get them interested in sex. Make them superficial. Destroy their ruggedness. Get control of all means of public and uh, publicity. And thereby get the people's minds off their government by focusing their attention on athletics, sexy books, and plays, and other trivialities. Get your Netflix going 24 hours a day. Watch your Hollywood movies all the time. Watch stupid things. And by watching stupid things, you become the hamster in a wheel. You think you're accomplishing something because you're watching a movie. You know when you watch movies like Braveheart and your heart leaps and you say, Ah, freedom! And then you sit on the couch and you order another chips. You've done your job. You yelled with William Wallace, freedom! But you've done absolutely nothing. But you feel satisfied. Because you participated in a show. Now the churches are participating in a show. You show up once a week. And I'm not picking on you. I'm talking generally what is happening to our nations. You know, sometimes people get offended because I pointed the finger. I'm not talking just to you. Maybe I'm talking about you. But I, I don't know you. So maybe it's you. Maybe not. But the thing is, we all have failed God. All of us. I'm guilty as charged. When I came to Jesus Christ, I was a duck, like qua qua qua, because your pastor could not get my accent. So it's the animal that walks like this. Little bit of the word, a little bit of Jesus. Qua 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 qua. Donald Duck. And by the way, now they're perverting even that. I mean, my God, Mickey Mouse is no longer a guy, he's a woman. Everything they're perverting. They're touching every single thing. Why? Because they're after the children. I've heard that that Disney World did a movie with two guys kissing, right? Didn't watch it. I just, I don't. Divide the people. Again, remember, I'm reading Vladimir's Lenin's 1921, how he did it. Divide the people into hostile groups by constantly harping on controversial matters of no importance. Give them BLM. Tell the people, tell the whites and the blacks that they actually hate each other. Listen, I hate no one. I don't even hate my enemies. I pity my enemies. Because I know that one day they're going to face my God and they will be accountable for what they have done to me. And I pity them because hell is not for a week, not for a month. Hell is forever. 
unquenchable fire, a worm that never dies. I don't even wish my enemies to end up over there. What a tragedy. I wish my enemies to become my brothers and sisters. That's what I wish. That those evil, wicked people would turn from their wicked ways, go to their knees, repent from their sins, and call upon the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ. In our congregation, half of the people are colored people. But I'm being called a racist, white supremacist. I even, when I googled myself up, you can learn so much about yourself when you Google yourself up. I mean, it's incredible. Apparently, I belong to the Aryan Guards, the most vicious white gang in the United States. And I had to Google them up, who they are. And I said, oh, bummer, they never sent me an invitation. And I'm already part of their gang, and I didn't know it. Google yourself up. And if you're not there, there is a problem. I'll tell you why. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, pastor, correct me if I'm wrong, your name becomes famous in heaven. There is a great party. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is a great party over there. So you're saved. You have all the power that God's greater things than this you're going to do. And now go and do it. But because we don't, the hell doesn't know that we even exist. If you're not famous in hell, that means you're not doing anything that is a threat to the kingdom of the enemy. If the enemy doesn't notice you, that means you're useless. That means he doesn't care if you live or die. That means you're not doing anything. You're just sitting comfortably in your pew for 30 years. You know, I've seen people fighting for the pew. Coming to the church, don't you know this is my pew? I've been sitting here, that section for the past 20 years. Don't you know that? Well, you just showed up the first time. Don't get out. That's her pew. Well, I have a, I have a surprise for the pew warmers. For the pew war or lovers. This building, as beautiful as it is, this pulpit and that pew is going to end up in a lake of fire. Because in my Bible it says that God, God is going to give us a new heaven and new earth. All of this you see is going to disappear. If you are sitting attached to your pew, be careful. Because you are going to end up exactly where the pew is heading. I said to my congregants, if I'm going to come to a little bit more money, I'm going to put spikes in your pews. And I am going to have a device. If I see you're not excited about Jesus, I'll have the roar and then, you know, the number just... And I'll just enjoy. I enjoy this time. Boom! The power. And I'm telling you, after I'm done with you, you will be saying, Victory! Freedom! And you will be running out there and fighting the good fight of faith because I'm sick and tired of the Christians that are not doing anything. Destroy the people's faith in their natural leaders by holding up the latter to ridicule, contempt, and obliquely. Always preach true democracy, but seize power as fast and as ruthless as possible. In other words, say one thing and do totally opposite 
and destroy the natural leadership, attack the pastors, clergymen, attack teachers, any man that is daring to stand up and any man that holds or woman something that is of value and importance, historically speaking. Destroy police officer. Right now the police officers are not helping. But I mean, I still, even though I have been treated by the law enforcement so poorly, I still have a, a huge respect for the uniform. Yeah. Not for what they do, because they're Gestapo, but for the law and order idea. Because you see, chaos comes from the devil. Order comes from God. Yeah. And I am for order, law and order. They want to destroy that. That's why they're attacking the natural leaders. Encourage government extravagance, destroy its credit, produce fear with rising prices, inflation, and general discontent. Foment unnecessary strikes in vital industries, encourage civil disorders, and foster a soft and lenient attitude on the part of government towards such disorders. Even being here, I've seen news where lots of Antifa, evil, wicked terrorists, were let go without charges. Even though they've done terrible, horrible things and they should spend years in jail. But you see, now they're arresting pastors. I'm facing four years jail time for my crime. And the charge was inciting people to come to church. And opening a church building in a greatest crisis we have seen in our lifetime. Where people are depressed, suicidal, turning into drugs and alcohol. And I dare to uh, open the church and welcome them into the church so I can pray for them. I can cry with them. And that's unacceptable. But at the same hand, when they are arresting us, and my friend, Kevin J. Johnston, a mayoral candidate that is registered running for a political office in my city where we have a homosexual Muslim mayor, Nahed Ninchi, in the city of Calgary, a friend of mine has been arrested and it's now six weeks in jail because he attended a freedom rally talking to the people that want to vote for him and he was not wearing a muzzle. You see, you think it cannot happen to you? I'm telling you, it's here. What are you going to do about it? Since 2005, when the police came first to my church, and started to ticket me. I was warning Canadians, rise up, stand up. They came for me, be sure of it, they will come for you as well. And they said to me, no, you're on the streets, that's why they came for you. You're a troublemaker, you're a lawbreaker. They will never come to our churches. So what God allowed to do? He shut down their churches. And rightfully so. Because they're useless. You see, I think that they are right when they say that the church has become unessential services. Because most of them did become unessential services. They're entertainers. They're not life givers. They're entertainers. Pastors are clowns juggling for the people for money. You see, first of all, I didn't want to become a pastor. I said to God for a few years, no. He spanked me so hard that my bum hurts to this day. (laughs) I didn't want to be a pastor because I don't like you. I don't like to deal with your 10,000 problems. I have my own. I said, God, I don't want to hear all the stories. I don't want to spend all this time with the people. Look at them. If I was God, I would wipe them all out. That was my attitude. 
I said, if you want me to be a pastor, you're going to give me love to those people and love for my country. Because that's not a good nation. Those are not good people. They're bloody murderers. They're murdering millions of babies. They're the horrible people. The most horrible man that you can see on the face of the earth is a mother that murders her own child. And a pervert that marches on the streets naked in front of the children because he thinks that he's... Sexual preferences has to be paraded on the streets of our cities. Why? I don't want to see, I don't want to hear what you're doing in your bed. I don't care. You want to sleep with the donkeys? You will have no problem with me. You will have problem with those animal activists. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing in your bed. Am I parading with my wife telling you I do this and I do that? No. So stop doing this, you pervert, because that's what you are. I'm sick of it. You see, in the Bible it says that the, there, will come, there will come a time when the people will call evil good and good evil. We are seeing left and right. You see, arresting pastors, they're cheering. The people are cheering up. Good, finally this lawbreaker is going to go to jail. Even though I feed thousands of people every week on the streets of Calgary, not charging government a penny. Not charging the taxpayers a penny. You know how many lives I've saved? Lives. Their lives. Because if I would not feed those people on the streets, they would whack somebody's head. They would break into people's houses, into their garages, into their cars. Half most wanted in Canada are in our church. You know that? Because every other facility that feeds people requires face recognition and fingerprints. We are the only ones that they can come and be fed. I prefer to feed the villain than let him lose so he can get his necessities through violence. See, I'm a Polish man. We like to eat. <laughs> and I have been eating very well. Because there's so many hyenas. You see, in the Bible, God, Jesus, is, is the lion from the tribe of Judah. And if Jesus, if my Jesus, if my brother Jesus, he calls me his family... I'm his brother. I'm his friend. If he is a lion, that means I am a lion as well. What do lions do? They eat hyenas. I have been eating them for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. And look at me. Help me, people. I beg you. I came to America for help. There's so many. We're surrounded by hyenas. I need lions to come and join us. Start eating those wicked, evil hyenas. By specious argument caused the breakdown of the old moral virtues. Honesty, sobriety, continence, faith in a pledged word, ruggedness. Caused the regist registration of all firearms on some pretext. That's what happened in Canada. They asked us to submit our long rifles, the hunting rifles, uh, because they wanted to know how many people have hunting rifles. On pretext. Of course, that was unconstitutional, but they did it anyway. And they said, if you don't regis register your rifle, you will be arrested. If that happens to you Americans, you're done. Yeah, right. And I'm not advocating for any violence. I'm just telling you, the moment they will come for your guns, you're done. What is keeping them at bay is a fear, subconscious fear, that you're armed and dangerous. Yeah. 
And if they will come and break the law, you will defend your families, your children, and your grandchildren. And you should. And you should. Cause the registration of all firearms on some pretext with the view of confiscating them and leaving the population defenseless. Vladimir Lenin, 1921. Exactly 100 years ago. I got only a few more minutes. So I want to ask you a few questions. Why do you think they are telling us to wear a muzzle? And I said that story today, but I'm going to repeat it again because I think it's, it's a, beautifully, a beautiful visualization of what is really happening right now. So I was coming out of my church, and I looked outside, and there was this beautiful dog, so crazy happy. And he was wiggling his tail, and he looked at me so happy, and, and he looked at me, and he spoke to me. And this is what he said. This is very weird. This is very weird. What I saw was a dog that took his owner for a walk. On a leash was the owner muzzled. And the dog looked at me, and he said, this is so upside down. This is weird. It used to be the other way around. We used to take the dogs on a leash muzzled. Now dog is taking his owner on a leash muzzled. That's what they've done to us. Why? You always have to look why. Who benefits from it? Why they're doing it? Because let me, let me assure you, they're not doing something just because. There is a plan. The greatest elimination of the middle class Destruction of small and medium-sized businesses. Why? Because that's the biggest opposition to any totalitarian government. In order to bring slavery, communist, socialism, fascism, hybrid that I see right now, all of those things together mixed, they have to eliminate opposition. Middle class people are very peculiar people. They have, they have usually a good education. They are well-traveled. They are usually business owners. They have seen things. They have been places. And if you tick them off, they'll hire a lawyer and they will sue the government. They will say to the police officer, you have no right to do that. Get out from my property. They need to go. That's why have you wondered why Walmart can operate and down the street a grocery store cannot? Have you wondered why? Because if this whole thing was about health and safety... It should be the other way around. The Walmart should be shut down because the potential of spread is a lot bigger because there's more people there, right? It's a lot harder to clean a bigger space than a small space. But you see, they're eliminating your middle class. And they are destroying small and medium-sized businesses. In the city of Calgary, once a vibrant hub of energy, 10 to 15 businesses every single day are shutting down since this whole thing Started. When you go to downtown Calgary, it's like a ghost town. For lease, for sale, for rent. For lease, for sale, for rent. Have you wondered why they're telling us to put a muzzle on? We know the doctors, the biologists, the biologists, they all are saying, the real experts, because you don't have to believe me. I'm a pastor. I'm not an expert on biology. But I listened and I asked and I talked with those that are. They spent 30, 40 years working in the field. Do the masks work? And this is the answer. No. 
They cannot because a virus is 1,000 times smaller than a bacteria. So a piece of cloth or the blue mask cannot stop that from coming in and going out. So why wear one? I'll tell you why. I studied slavery for many years. And one of the symbols of slavery is masks. So what they are saying to you is very simple. Put that thing on. Why? Because you have no identity anymore. I'm taking your identity away from you. You have no name. I don't care about your name. I don't care about your face, about your identity. I'm taking that away from you. You're just a social insurance number. That's all. You're just a slave. Also, what they're saying to you is very simple. You have no You have no say, you have no voice. We don't care about your opinions. We don't care about your voting because even the voting is rigged. You have no say. You're just a slave. You're just a slave. Social distancing, wearing a mask, obeying laws that do not make any sense, following orders that are contradictory to the profession of medical profession, biologists, Real science. Why? It has been done before and it's happening again. In order to subdue a nation, you have to eliminate the opposition. Historically speaking, the opposition was brewing in places like this, in the churches, in taverns, in hallways. Adolf Hitler hired a peculiar people. He called them brown shirts. I don't know if you heard about them. Their primary job was to beat up anyone that was meeting in public. You know that? Anyone that would meet and was outside of the Nazi party would be beaten by those people. You know that brown shirts of Adolf Hitler, later on, that formation turned into SS? In 1944, there was almost a million of them. You know what the Gestapo means? Because some people don't know. I call those nice, wonderful gangsters in uniforms Gestapo. Because they act like Gestapo. Gestapo was the secret police. It took over, that formation took over regular police and was called Gestapo. Propaganda minister for Adolf Hitler, Joseph Goebbels, said those words, propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. What it matters is just propaganda. You know, give people a, a big lie, a lie big enough. And keep repeating it over and over and over again. What do we see in our media every single day? Radio, TV, Facebook, whatever you turn. You're not allowed to tell the truth because you're censored. I was in California with my son. We had a couple hours off, so we went to Santa Monica Beach, and we just walked around, and there was like literally tens of thousands of people. So I grabbed my phone and I said, okay, I'm going to show people in Calgary because everyone thinks that California is completely destroyed by the liberalism and and that's it, they're enslaved. But I made a comment. Look, that's how freedom really looks like. Because in comparison to what California has and what Calgary has, this was the true freedom. Within seconds, the video was removed and I got a strike on YouTube channel. And I'm not allowed to post videos. I didn't say anything, really. I just showed what's going on. I mean, this is the reality. I just showed the real thing. But you see, a reality is a sin to those people. And they have to oppose it. 
First Corinthians 16:13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Psalm 31:24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Second Chronicles 15:7. But you take courage, do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Joshua. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was told not to pray. The moment the law was passed, he goes, he opens the windows for all to see. And he prays. And because of it, he ends up in a lion's den. But that's a good place to end up because you see, he was a lion too. That's why they didn't touch him. I talked to the pastor today. I said, do you want to see Jesus? How many of you would like to see Jesus? Would you like to see Jesus? Then you got to go to the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was told. They were told to bow before the golden image. But they said, no, how can we? We cannot bow before Fauci's. We cannot bow before Biden's. We cannot bow before those evil rulers. We cannot bow before them. Because we have a ruler. We have a king. King Jesus. We will not bow. Then you will go to the fiery furnace. And they said, fine. God can rescue us, but if you will choose not to, that's fine too. And they, off they went to the furnace. And a fourth person shows up. Jesus comes to the rescue. And they came out, out of this ordeal without shackles. Free. You want to be free? Sometimes your freedom will come through the fire. Sometimes your victory will come after 12 years, 13 years actually. Of being enslaved like Joseph in Egypt. Sometimes it will be hardship. 13 years of David running away from corrupted soul. Government official as well. Sometimes you have to go into the wilderness. So God can do a miracle and bring you back. More powerful than you were ever. So I want to bless you with that. My time is up. Father God I pray that you would restore courage. Courage in the hearts of men and women. Let them be courageous. Let, be, let them be strong and bold. Let them go, Father, just like you said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In a chapter 4, they were told not to do it. And they replied with those words. You be the judges whom we are to obey. You or God. In chapter 5, book of Acts, they are straightforward. We must obey God. You see, church, it's time for us to say the same thing. We must obey God. We don't have a choice anymore. Rebellion is like a spirit of divinations, like a witchcraft. We must obey God. If you love me, obey my commandments, Jesus said. We must obey God rather than men. Who are those uncircumcised Philistines think they are? That should defy the armies of the living God. That should mock our creator. One day, one day, God is going to deal with them. But he needs you. Will you be the man and woman of God that says, here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Be blessed.